There we go. And we're live. Come on, Kevin. Where's the jam, man? Where's the jam? Again. Kevin, with how many jobs at the top of the episode? (laughs) It's because he's snacking. He is. He's snacking, snacking. man. Kevin, show show the people what you're snacking on. on. man. He's Duke's original recipe. they allow me to eat here. Is that like like little doggy treats? What is that? Here's the (laughs) thing, though. Here's the thing. Um, We're clearly just scrambling for sponsorships at this point. Like Duke's smoked shorty sausages available at Costco. We will take yeah. free bags of that. Yeah. So anybody, anybody who works for Duke's, who's also a fan of Theology Thursday, what should Kevin be eating right now though? Mr. Hong's garlic fish. Mr. Hong's garlic fish. Maybe next week we'll open the show with just each of us digging into a, a quart or two of Mr. <laughs> Hong's garlic fish. Someone, we've, we already had someone hit a like. That's true. Before, Before it we started, so whoever anything. did that, you're the you're the real MVP. You are. Yeah, you're the real MVP. Whoever hit like beforehand. It's a true homie that that hits like before you've earned the like. Yeah, it's true. Cause when it's like the other stuff, when it's like you know, cause Drew Dollars in the chat, you know, Kevin's, I hit the thumbs down on the daily devotional That's before <laughs> it's even on the it's even uploaded. I just go you're ahead. You're the and one. Time. It's you just know, waiting in the queue. I know you're sort of joking. I know you're joking, but here's here's a mysterious phenomenon that this might explain. Sunday services where Isaac preaches never have a thumbs down. No. But most of the time, there have been, well, not most of the time, several of the times that I have preached the yeah, there's on one. Sunday, there's one. Yeah, there's one. So what would be the simplest explanation <laughs> for where those are coming from? Yeah, no, it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's not a mystery. You know what's funny about that is you, you are known among us on the church staff for giving real life. I do it in downs. real life. It ain't even a real one when it's digital. So this is behind the scenes. Most of you wouldn't know this, but it's very common that like, say Drew Dowler is about to start worship on a Sunday morning in a, in a real in-person church yeah. service, or I'm getting up to start. Preaching. Yeah. You got to know your place. You ain't God. That's true. You're just his servant. So remember your role and be a humble servant. Go up there. Remember, hmm. you know, this is more pedagogical and, uh, yeah, theological yeah. than I expected. Now it to on be. Theology Thursday, though, we just want to see likes. All we want is thumbs up. We just want. But thumbs yeah, if up. you ever, if you ever want a little sneak peek, just look to the back of the room. Whenever like Kevin gets up to preach, or I get up to preach, or Drew's about to start worship, or Greg is doing announcements, and you'll see Isaac with two thumbs down. And even if I don't, everyone knows that's what's in my heart. That's what he- <laughs> <laughs> you it's- also, while we're talking about this stuff, you also have a reputation that you go up to Drew, like ten seconds before worship starts. <laughs> And say something um, not negative or critical, but like, like, hey. I think it's very inspiring. It's <laughs> I think I think what I basically tell people enables them to do really well because they have to. So it would point. be something like what would be a good example? Like you would go up to Drew and be like, hey, sound better than you sounded in practice or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. So, like this one host better than you did last week. Yeah. We'll be good. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. I've tried to eliminate all of the Allbirds commercials that could pop in. No, we got that solved. Good work. That good one work. solved. We got it solved. Now, uh, we want to say again up front, we're going to show a bunch of video clips again today. And um, we are doing this under fair use law because we're making commentary on it. But just <laughs> in case, <laughs> everybody, yeah, pull that up. That's Drew Dowler, the worship leader, quoting Isaac's actual words to him, probably. Um, but you know what? It's a house of lies. 
It's the thing is Isaac. It's a house of. I lines. actually think, in all sincerity, that is like your people talk about love languages. That is like, yeah. Like if you thought Drew was actually a, a bad worship leader, you wouldn't go up to him and say, "Don't be bad right now." No, that's exactly right. Drew Dollar. See, this is how it works. Drew Dollar's the best, so he better bring the best. Otherwise, he's not bringing what God gave him. Mm. So if I ever find you're so, not so just, me. So just, you know, just do it, do what you can for oh Theology no. Thursday. <laughs> just do what you can right now, man. Don't expect the best. Um, yeah, so there's always a tiny possibility when we show video clips that YouTube will automatically pull this video down. Um, even though we're not breaking rules, it shouldn't happen. But if it does, we'll jump back live again, go to our YouTube page and look for a new video. Um, last week, we talked about the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Um showed a bunch of examples and talked about it theologically and biblically. I really encourage you, if you were not here or you weren't able to watch it yet, go back and watch that one because um, a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight um, will have some overlap that's helpful in terms of a lot of the arguments against what we're talking about tonight are the same or similar, similar to those. Yeah. Um, and so tonight we're talking not about prosperity gospel in terms of money or material possessions, but more of the kind of health and healing signs and wonders side of things. Um, and you notice there's not even, there's not a universal term to capture all of that the way we can with prosperity gospel. It's actually really hard to label and define. Same thing as last week is just like um, in a very early Theology Thursday, we talked about Gnosticism. It's not as if there's a document that says this is what Gnostics believe. It's, it's a set of cultural beliefs, thoughts, and assumptions that seem to permeate a broad kind of culture in that sense so um you may have someone who is in the same stream but doesn't believe what this guy thinks and what this person thinks but they all kind of are in this general sphere of ideas yeah and there are a couple of kind of like recognizable names that that encompass this kind of faith healing real emphasis on like your god's willingness and ability to heal all of your physical ailments Mm -hmm. there's the word of faith movement which is kind of like the old the more old school version that's people like Kenneth Copeland and kind of that stream again. Um, and that was, I should say, I, I guess I shouldn't say was, because there are still people who would identify themselves as huge. a word of it's faith. Huge, it's huge, yeah. Um, but that's kind of, and it's the huge. reason it's word of faith is because it explicitly connects faith and speech. And we'll see some examples of that later probably. Another term that gets thrown around, but it's not as good because it's not, it's more used to label them by outsiders is the new apostolic reformation. Yeah. And from my limited understanding of the new apostolic reformation, um, C. Peter Wagner Mm -hmm. coined that term positively, but it has since kind of become a more pejorative term that they don't, that most people in that stream don't use themselves. Um, But it's helpful because it's kind of, you know, these are movements that purport to be a new movement of apostolic mission within the church. It's sim it's very similar in the secular culture there was something, something still is, it's called the intellectual dark web. Mm. And it's like, there's no set of ideas that is like, well, this is what you're, if you're a part of this group, you hold to X, Y, Z, but you know, Jordan Peterson's in it. Eric Weinstein's in it. um, Sam Harris is in there. Ben Shapiro's in there. Ben Shapiro's in there too, type of thing. Um, So you could be lumped in with giant groups that, that don't even, they believe these things are similar, but they're worlds apart on these other issues. And Eric Weinstein just coined that term to try to articulate some type of 
there's something occurring and there's similar thoughts here going on, but we don't all agree on the same things. And that's similar to, to what's going on. But like you said, you have some, some words like word of faith um, that group together and cluster some of these people together. And so I guess the, the central thing that unites them all is this emphasis on signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit, healing, um, this, this kind of this ability of Christians to pronounce healing and things like that. Um, and it's, I would say it's also often, if not always, accompanied by the expectation of new revelation in the form of prophecies and dreams and things like that. And a lot of overlap from last week. Yes, that's true. It's too. not the same thing as last week. It is different, but there's theological overlap. Yeah, and and, and overlap even among the people. Like you'll see, yeah. you'll see tonight some of the same faces we yep. saw last week. And so we're going to do the same thing we did last time, which is rather than just quote people or talk about this belief that we don't share, we're going to show a bunch of clips that kind of let proponents of this view say for themselves some of their yeah. core beliefs. Um, and the disclaimer here is because this is kind of signs and wonders stuff, if we wanted to, this could be an hour of us showing just like over the top ridiculous. Um, I shouldn't even say ridiculous because that's part of my point. It's like this ridiculous looking kind of like spiritualism and services. And so there's mm. hours and hours of video that yeah. just make Christians look embarrassing to the, to the materialist world. Right. And, um, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to be really restrained in what we show. We're not going to show crazy looking faith yeah. healings and miracle services and stuff like that. The um, point is never to take the worst examples, right. show that display it, straw man it and laugh at it and make fun of it. Um, it's very serious what we're dealing with. Like yeah. this is theology, but more importantly, people are banking on this stuff for their own personal healing. So what, what we'd like to do is look at these teachers in their own words and right. hopefully let you see the theological kind of user interface, if you will, yeah. uh, that they're, that they're using to function the and then kind code. of say, yeah, yeah. Source code. Is, <laughs> you got to look in the matrix, see them little green, the green yeah. font thing. See. So we're not trying to make fun of any of this. It's not funny, frankly, because if it's not true, it's incredibly dangerous. No, I um, mean, just so people know earlier, Sam was showing me, Sam, Sam plans this out and finds these things. And he's, he's showing me, we're watching a video together. And it's like, we're both like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to play that. Right. Because it just, the worst examples are so manipulative yeah. and so harmful to, to people and their faith that it's, it, it hurts to watch yeah. it. As a pastor, it hurts to watch. It's similar to the fact that when we did Prosperity Gospel, I didn't show like commercials of a televangelist selling holy water from Israel for $500 yeah. a bottle. Because that's not what I'm afraid you guys are going to fall for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, and by you guys, I just mean the average Christian. This is, we want to theologically and biblically evaluate their actual beliefs, not, yeah. not make fun of them. Um, so yeah. Let's, let's jump in. Should we take a look at the first one? This is from, we're going to see several clips from this church. This is Bethel Church um, in Reading. Very, very famous, particularly for their worship music, um, which I, I imagine we'll talk about at some point. Um, but they also are a giant charismatic church um, with a lot of pretty extreme signs and wonders, spiritual uh, healings and miracles type ministry. This is a commercial um, or a promotional video for their healing rooms, which is a giant ministry that they do at their church. 
So the good news is that healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. So when you're coming in for prayer, you're not trying to give God reasons to bless you. He already decided 2,000 years ago to pay for your healing. He said this in Isaiah 53, Jesus bore our sickness, he carried our pain, by his stripes we were healed. Jesus said something interesting. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That means we know what Jesus' will is in every situation by simply looking at his life. And here's what we see. He healed every person who came to him without exception. There was no so we could keep going. Um, I do want, before we even comment on it, I want to show a little, a moment from later in the video where he, he kind of doubles down on that same concept. Kevin, you want to bring it back up? This is from the same video just a, a couple minutes later. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now that's, that's kind of the explicit version of what he's saying in that first couple minutes. And we could show even one more example just because it's the same basic idea and then talk about all of them. Um, this is another very, very famous author and speaker, um, Joyce Meyer, who says... You know, sadly, a lot of times people are not taught that healing of all kinds is part of the atonement. It's part of what Christ died for us to have. Why would he want us to be saved and feel bad all the time? So, okay, that's kind of, those three videos all sort of center around the same theological claim. And it's really interesting. It's a great example of the fact that we cannot be sleepy when we're watching and thinking about this kind of stuff because people aren't just saying ideas. They're making theological claims implicitly yeah. in what they say. And in, in Joyce Meyer's case, it's actually helpful. She's very explicit and clear about what she believes. Um, but all of them, are, all three of those clips are saying the same thing, which is that 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your healing, physical healing. Physical healing. Meaning one of the things that he did, he accomplished is any physical ailment you have, he, he will heal. And that's the language from the guy from Bethel's healing rooms is really strong. He says he already decided 2000 years ago to pay for your healing. He already decided to heal yeah. you is what he says. So, um, I guess just to open that can of worms, what, what was purchased at the atonement and where does this idea that healing should be included in that come in? Well, c c one disclaimer, um, many of you have probably, you might be going, oh man, I've, I've listened to this speaker and had tremendous growth or a breakthrough or grew in this area. I was listening to a worship song and <clears throat> you can learn and grow from a lot of different things. It right. doesn't, just because a teacher is good in one area doesn't mean they're good in all areas. Yeah. And that applies to me and you and and Kevin, whoever's whoever really, teaches the Bible, really applies to Kevin. By the yeah, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's he's he's actually next week his whole episode on him. Uh, but it's you have to be careful for for what you're what you're listening to and always judging it by what the scripture says. So because I know people would be like, oh no, everything I learned from this person is yeah. wrong. I love this book by Joyce Meyer. Yeah, and you don't necessarily have to throw out the baby with the bathwater if there's troubling spots in someone's theology. Yeah, but then when you see maybe there is enough troubling spots where this is a reoccurring theme, or as you said, someone can say something that's not true, but if the theology behind it that's shaping everything else on top is rooted in something that's contrary scripture, so that's that's where you got to watch out for. So the idea behind a lot of this stuff is that when Christ died on the cross. He was paying for 
a number of things, not just your sins and spiritual healing, but your physical healings. And if he did so, and he was crucified and resurrected, Christ didn't fail. Christ doesn't fail. Therefore, your physical and spiritual healing has been purchased. It's now, guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Now look around at the world. Why haven't you been healed of this? Why haven't you been healed of this? Well, then it's on your end, not on God's end. Because it's like God has the healing flowing down to you, but you're the one who's blocking that somehow. Right. Because if it's purchased and guaranteed by the cross, then why do you, why do you still hurt? Yeah, and that's the question that Suzanne asked immediately, which is why don't, what about people that don't get healed? Um, and we'll look in just a second at a couple of clips of people explicitly saying what you just said. It's not just, that's not just a necessary conclusion that can be incredibly hurtful, but it's yeah. also, I mean, it's explicitly taught by many of these teachers. Um, and you heard, and, and um, Ed and Dina Bless brought this up, that um, he quoted, the guy from Bethel's Healing Rooms quoted yeah. Isaiah 53, which is then later quoted in... P one of Peter's epistles and in um, the gospel of Matthew. Yeah. And it, it talks about bearing our, it's interesting. We were actually looking at this before the show started that it, it you know, in the Hebrew text, it talks about bearing iniquity when it's quoted later in the new Testament, it's in the context of a physical healing. Yeah. In Matthew eight, Jesus is healing Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says they brought to him everyone who had demons and sicknesses and diseases and Jesus healed them all. Just like the guy said, Jesus, you know, Jesus, whoever was brought to Jesus, he heals. So whether that was some type of spiritual oppression or a physical infirmity, Jesus is, is taking care of it. And then Matthew quotes this Isaiah passage. Yeah, he says it's, this was in the context of what you just said, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Yeah. So there's a pretty good I would say, well, actually, let's phrase it this way. There's a very good argument to be made that Jesus paid for our physical healing in the atonement. Yes, and there's, so there's a couple ways to look at that passage in particular. One, Matthew says this was to fulfill this prophecy, meaning that that prophecy was being fulfilled in the incarnate ministry of the Son of God. He was going around healing people, and now it's been fulfilled. Right. Because the cross hadn't happened yet. Right. Jesus had not died at the, on the cross and resurrected yet, but still Matthew says, this is what this verse is all about. This is the healer we've been waiting for. The other thing you could say is, no, Matthew and Isaiah are talking about spiritual healing, and all these people who are getting healed from their physical infirmities, by the way, are becoming followers of Jesus and becoming spiritually healed as well. Right. So there's, there's an emer emerging of those two ideas. The, th the third and, and maybe the argument that that I, I like to use best, do we, should, we, should we jump into that or um, hold off a little bit? Yeah, I think we should. Okay. Because we'll, we can refer back to it. Okay. So in once, there's people who, I mean, all you have to do is look around at the world and see faithful Christians suffer. Yeah. Look like, at the New Testament. It's painfully obvious. Paul suffers. Jesus suffered. All the apostles suffer. Faithful Christians all around the world are dying, not just of physical persecution, but of things like cancer. Okay, so you could just maybe say, well, you know, they didn't have enough faith. They didn't apply their victory. They didn't claim their victory. Right. Or you can say, well, no, I think these people were faithful Christians and really trusted Jesus and still didn't get healed. So then how does that work? 
the arguments I outlined before, all, all, all of them are arguments to say healing, physical healing is not a part of the atonement. The other way around that is to say physical healing is absolutely a part of the atonement and it was purchased by Christ. The question is when and how does that physical healing take place? Right. And so what I would argue is that when Jesus is here on earth, you're getting an inbreaking of God's kingdom into the kingdoms of this world. And I mean that spatially and I mean that temporally. So spatially in that Jesus is physically here and the kingdom of God is manifesting and there's the, the, just the miraculous. Yeah, Jesus happening. says to the Pharisees, if by the finger of God, I cast out demons, mm -hmm. then the kingdom of God has come among yes. you. So it you're happened. seeing that in breaking. And then two, what I mean in a, in a time sense is that what is promised for all Christians on the, at the return of Jesus is getting rushed into the present. So there is a future healing that will take place for everybody, but in the life and ministry of Jesus, that which is in the future is being rushed into the present. So you're so getting that, a foretaste. Yeah, yeah, and you're, and that's what Jesus is doing in his whole ministry. He's, it's a signpost, it's a foretaste, pointing you to some greater reality, both spatially and temporally. So I could firmly say that, no, I will be physically healed of all disease. That is guaranteed to me as a and Christian specifically was paid for at the cross and was paid for at the cross. But it happens when I receive my resurrected incorruptible body and that body doesn't suffer anymore. At the end of the Bible, you have the book of revelation and it speaks of the end. And it says there will come a day when there will be no more crying, no more death, no mourning, no pain, no suffering. It didn't say that day already happened. You just don't know. You, you haven't received it. Right. It's speaking of a future event. But all of those things in the future get pushed into the forward. And you could apply this to sin. So your sins in the present are forgiven. But do you still sin? The answer is yes. Yeah. Have you really been ultimately delivered from sin in every way right now? No. Yes. And, the, and you could say yes and no, just like physical healing, yeah. is that you've been forgiven of all your sins in the present but until you have the resurrected body, sin still rages war in your flesh type of thing. And so you have to have that framework. And succinctly said, um, first century Jews in Jesus' day believed in the present age and the age to come. The present age is the age ruled by the prince of the power of the air, and it's filled with suffering and oppression and hardship. The age to come was the age going to be ushered in by the Messiah, and it would be an age of blessing and peace and shalom. What you have in Jesus is him bringing in the age to come partially into the present age, but it's not completely done because there's, you still look around and you still see suffering. But do we have healings? Yes, yeah. Christ really heals people. Because the kingdom of God continues to break into the present age through the yeah. church. But it doesn't mean every physical ailment has to be healed right now because that will happen at a certain day. Do you conquer many of your sins? Yes, probably not all of them. Um, and so all of that's linked together. So this is what's so tricky though, is that there's a lot of truth in what every, all these people are saying. God, God doesn't want his world full of suffering. Right. But the logic isn't, well, if he doesn't want it to suffer and if they're still suffering, well, then it's, it's our fault. It's your, right. some way you don't have enough faith. Yeah, maybe we can jump to some more yeah, clips yeah. on that note because this is this is along those lines. I'm actually going to jump this one here. We, here we go. Um, 
So check this out. This is this says pretty explicitly the kind of what we were talking about before, the implication that it's your fault. It is God's will for every single person to be healed. And if that healing hasn't manifest, it's not because God willed it. It's because somehow or another there is something in us that is not receiving this healing power of God. So you've got to dig down and find out what the root of that is. Now that's pretty dang clear. We have one more short example from, um, oh wait, this I forgot about this guy. Um, yeah, we got two more examples. This is a guy who is interesting. I had never heard of him before. Um, I already forgot his name. I'm scrolling down to try to find it. Brett Boyd is his name. I just remembered. Um, and he does YouTube healing prayers where he kind of to the camera will pray for people to be healed. They get, you can see this video has 180,000 views. Many of his views have, have his videos have more than that. Um, and he does things, he'll pray directly to the camera. And he says the same thing here. Watch this two or three more times until you feel something shift. A lot of times healing is like, it's like taking a hammer to the devil. And many times you pray. If as, as a side note, it's very interesting to watch how subtly he makes the claim that your physical suffering is caused by the devil. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that? Mm -hmm. That he says healing is taking a hammer to the devil, which makes a, a really strong theological implication that he's the source of your suffering. A few times and you begin to see something shift. Um, however, there's things beyond our understanding. There, there are sometimes issues going on that we can't see in the moment when it seems like nothing is shifting. But we cannot lose heart. We cannot lose faith. We know from reading God's word that it is always God's will to heal. He never wants you to remain sick. He doesn't teach you a lesson through your sickness. He's not some. Now that's one that's worth talking about yeah. for a minute, um, because th these are this is the problem. So you have those kind of arguments from Isaiah fifty three, Matthew eight, these other places, um, but they discount really powerful teachings of the New Testament that, that speak to the opposite issue in life. So this, this guy just said explicitly, God does not teach you anything through, through physical suffering. And so the first thing that made me think of when I saw it is Paul in 2 Corinthians writing to the church at Corinth and saying, he's vague. We don't know exactly what he's talking about, but he says, there was a thorn in my flesh sent from the devil that I pled with God three times to remove. So, and he did, and God doesn't. That's the end of the story, right? And so already you have a very clear example of, you know, who has more faith than Paul? And he's, pr he's pleading with God over and over, remove whatever this physical suffering is. Um, and not only does he say that God doesn't heal that, but he, sa but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, which sounds an awful lot to me like teaching Paul a lesson through physical suffering. Or what about the, the Bible verse that no one once ever applied to them? Paul gets knocked off his horse. Yeah. And then God's like, God tells I, Ananias, I must teach this one how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Yeah. And like, so, you, you know, you have these just clear cut examples of, of, and the theological nuance of who's causing the suffering and all that stuff is really complicated. And you can argue about it all day, but whether he causes it or not, he clearly clearly uses it yeah. to teach us lessons. And even when, so when the apostles are beat and they thank God for counting them worthy to suffer for his namesake, one could say, oh, that's not like a sickness. They're talking about sickness. Right. 
after you've been beat with rods and your body is open, bleeding with sores and wounds, that's the human body suffering. Right. They don't ask for healing. They they don't ask for healing. They didn't, you know, they they ask for boldness to continue to preach the gospel yeah, right. in the face of persecution. And so, um, you know, these kind of things we we just have to be careful because they'll quote Bible and then they'll make statements that go beyond what Scripture says. And in fact, like in this case openly contradict what scripture says. Yeah, and there's a there's again there's a sense in which it's true and you as a good Christian want to believe. Do you be, do you believe that God is good and would never want you to suffer? That God does did God did God create a world that he willed to be full of suffering or one to be willed with healing and flourishing and peace and prosperity? It's like yeah, I know my good father wants what's what's best you leave out all the nuance in between. And so that's why it gets, it gets tricky. And then what's even worse is when you're desperate and you, you, you need, you need a healing and you're praying with all the faith you can muster up, but nothing's happening. So yeah. obviously it's because you have some secret sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. Yeah. And that's what this leads to on a practical level is if you're in these movements and you feel filled with faith, and you feel like, oh man, you know, I, I do believe that God can heal me. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, that is not in God's plan for your life. The disillusionment that can come from that is horrific. Let's actually, let's watch the last one that's sort of along these lines. Um, this is, this is again, Kenneth Copeland, who we watched a lot of last week. Um, just a short clip, but it's, it's telling what he says. It is his will for every living thing to be well. That's right. He is the author of wellness. He has absolutely no purpose in you being sick. So again, very similar. Uh, the clip is too long, but he goes on to say, this is, and this is where we can keep talking about kind of the, some of the personal pastoral dangers associated yeah. with this. He goes on to say, if you pray, God, if it's your will, that is expressing doubt. And that and... And that's, you know, that's going to undermine God's ability to heal you, mm -hmm. um, which you, you know, that's, that's a very normal teaching in these circles that don't express doubt. Don't in, even, and I mean, I know because of the tradition we're in, it's very normal for me to hear people, including myself, pray God, if yeah, it's your will. Yeah, we're probably on the opposite end and probably could be critiqued in that. Yeah, we have low expectations of God. In you that say. you always, you actually do doubt God. But you don't want to secretly insult him, so you always pray, Lord, if you don't want to do this, yeah. you're giving God an escape. Your hatch. will, not my will, because you actually are not trusting in God in this, and so you kind of have to to have a coherent narrative in your brain for your faith to make sense. So you give God an out, um, and certainly not whenever you say not your will, my right. will. You're not doing that, but I think in certain, especially in, and this is important in, this is important for the larger discussion. Um, especially in kind of modern Western Christianity, you could kind of be embarrassed of the miraculous. Yeah. Like I, you know, no, I'm a, I'm a sophisticated Christian. I don't believe in any of that weird, that wet, weird stuff. Right. And, you know, I don't see any healings because it's never God's, it's not my will. You're, and so you could almost become embarrassed of the supernatural elements yeah. and have an overreaction to all of this and swing the other way. Yeah. And I know for myself, I, that's, I lean that direction. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are times when in my prayers, I'm giving God an out mm -hmm. by, you know, if I'm praying for someone who's sick, God, if it's your will. Um, 
But the opposite extreme is so incredibly dangerous. Yeah. I mean, we both know people who have, who have watched someone die without live in fear of expressing doubt. You know what I yes. mean? That if you pray in a way that might even prepare that person for death or even start, you know, talking about the possibility in terms of planning and making preparations and stuff that that that's expressing doubt in a way that's dangerous. Like God is suddenly going to be like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't do. Yeah. I don't heal. If you, if you have that kind of doubt. And what's it's more important is you actually are, you're actually making God smaller because it's as if you can think in such a way that, and in such a way that God isn't actually aware of how you feel on the innermost level. Yeah. God knows you better than you know yourself. You can't fake you can't muster up enough like, oh, God, I really believe. God knows, you know, deep yeah. deep down, even you can't even articulate the doubts you hold that are so so buried in there. And he knows those. And you bring them to him. That's the, that's the, the whole point. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, it becomes, and we'll, I'm, we'll talk about this more as we keep going, but that it becomes magical in that sense. That it's like you can't mess up the formula. Exactly. So the spell has to be done in this particular way. And if you don't have your, you know, your crystal here and this thing here, then it won't work. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way people talk about prayer is if God isn't sovereign and wise enough to make the decision that comports yeah. with his purposes, that you have to pray in a particular way with a particular strength of faith in order to, yeah, to have and it you, work. You, you, only, you only have to be in pastoral ministry so long before you see faithful Christians with faith, pray for the miraculous, and someone still dies. Right. Um, it doesn't take long. And here's, here's the bigger theological point. The whole reason that you don't want sickness to occur is because it leads to death. That's the point. The whole point is that you don't die. Right. If it's just a cold, you're not going to call the, the church together for prayer and fasting. It's because what does cancer do? It leads to death. Right. And death is the end result of all sickness, pain, and suffering. And guess what? Everyone has died. Every Christian. Not one person except for one does the resurrection right. thing. And so what, and so again, back to the atonement, what is promised in the atonement? Well, we could argue about healing, but we all agree in, in Christianity that eternal life is purchased in the atonement for those who trust yeah. in Jesus. So why... Why do you die? It Why says he says eternal life. It says you're not going to die. Christians have died since yeah. every single Christian has died since yeah. Jesus. And again, it's that rushing of what Jesus's promises at his second coming into the present and claim. You call that theologically an overrealized eschatology. Yeah. So eschatology, we talked about the theology of the end, the theology of the ultimate things. And so everything that's supposed to happen in the future with the return of Christ, it's overrealized in the present. It's brought to, to, and you can err on, like we said, with both extremes, you could have an underrealized eschatology where you pretty much live like a materialist, right? No healing, no prayer, nothing supernatural. And now eh, we'll get there one day when we go to heaven. And the opposite is you can rush all that stuff into the present where the Bible has a very nuanced categories of how this stuff is working in yeah. between. Yeah. And you start having, and this kind of segues us into the next point, you start having this expectation that's not just that you can ask God for anything, but that actually you can, on your own Christian authority, start to demand things. Yeah. And this leads to what, um, it's not as popular parlance now, but it used to be called name it and claim it yeah. theology. Um, so the next couple of videos actually kind of show us that. If you want to jump back over, this is again from Bethel Church. Um, 
in the middle of a, one of their worship services. This is um, Jen Johnson, the wife of the senior pastor there, Bill Johnson. Just speak to those people that we know. If you're in this room and you have cancer, we declare to you no more. Yeah. We're grabbing out of heaven the healing power. Pay attention huh? to the language. Raise your hand if you have cancer in here. Raise your hand if you have cancer in here. Okay, put your hands on them. And if you have a close relative, raise your hand too. We want to pray for them. Everybody that has their hand raised, please, somebody touch them. Don't pray, declare. That's what I wanted to get to. So you heard a few things in there. Um, one of the things she says that's really that's that really is telling is we are reaching up and and grabbing these things out of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she says, "Don't pray, declare." Yeah. Um, and that's not on accident. And that and and the the reason that video is so helpful is because it's just so blatant. She's explicitly saying, "Do not ask God to do something. Declare that it is already done." Mm-hmm. And there's theological reasons. Yeah, because why. they believe it's already been done. It's right. just you're not accessing that power. It's it you 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 need to access that power from heaven, and you need to access that power with with your word. And you know, here's another important disclaimer too: is with with word of faith, uh, prosperity gospel people, there are people who I I, I believe are genuine Christians yeah. in these circles. They they mean well. Their theology has got off in, in, in these parts, and um, that's why it actually hurts me to watch it. Yeah, that it's, one it's hurts pa- me to it, watch it's too. It's painful because um, in some of these videos, there's an expectation that, like, can't, can't, who doesn't have cancer anymore? Yeah. And God, God certainly can heal. He does heal. Even, even in some of these, these circles where there's bad theology, Absolutely. God can still heal because guess what? Our theology isn't perfect and we believe God can still right. heal, but it's the, it's the overall theological structure that leads to these, these, these dangerous zones. And um, to declare something is, is very tricky. Is it, you're, you're starting to walk on a, on, a, on a very dangerous ground. Yeah, and there's versions of it that are basically saying, well, because Jesus said that you would do greater things than he did, you know, he's a man empowered by the spirit. So are you, if you're a Christian, yeah. you, you have the direct access to the power necessary to do these things. You don't have to ask God to do it for you. You go ahead and just do it. Um, and I think, you know, before we watch the next clip, your disclaimer there is really helpful. We said this about prosperity preaching too, that there is, um, there's a spectrum of full on shysters who don't even believe the gospel and are just making money off yeah. of Christians and faking healing yeah. on purpose. You get stories about people who have earpieces yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all the way to people who personally, who knows? I don't know. But I f- my gut feeling is that the Johnsons at Bethel believe what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. Who knows? But a lot of this is disagreement over dangerous secondary issues. Not necessarily, um, it doesn't necessarily rise to the point of these are wolves in sheep's clothing and, you know, yeah, we consider and, them outcasts. and there's so there's a spectrum of charlatans and people who believe the theology. There's also a spectrum of people who believe the theology on a scale from one to ten. They're level two. Name it and claim it right. versus a level ten. A level ten person is an extreme case, and I don't think the Johnsons are in this category of like, I don't even have to go to God because I have the power within me. Right. They would say, 
everything's Jesus. Everything's through Jesus. Right. And we have access to the, to the same spirit that Jesus does because of Jesus' death on the cross. But so it may be, it might be healing theology level two of 10 rather than yeah. 10 of 10. But what you have to be careful for is how that sneaks in to just normal everyday Christianity. So I've, I've had, I've, you, you, you might've had something like, you might've told someone something like this where someone's been wrestling with some physical sin. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. sorry, some physical ailment. And you say, Hey, is there any kind of secret sin in your life? That's, that's causing this. Yeah. And you're automatically making an assumption that the stuff that this, they are sick because of a secret sin. Um, and maybe if they dealt with the sin or the devil issue, then they would be physically right. healed. And you might not even say that you believe that, but in practice, that's what came out of your mouth. Yeah, you may, exactly. You just absorbed it somehow. You've heard it said to you, and you, so you meant well. You just meant to be like, hey, I'm really praying for you. Is there, is there something else, though, that maybe is going on? And it, it's because, like we started off the show with, um, it permeates the larger culture as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, Suzanne talked about just now how um, she had a friend that was told she lost her healing because she didn't have enough faith. Um, and again, that's not unusual. As a side note here, Michael Perez asked, are pastoral debates a thing? And the answer is absolutely yes. There are debates between people. Um, they're not necessarily pastoral because a lot of the time they're pastors, but they're also often theologians and teachers and things like that. But um, I can highly recommend a British debate show called Unbelievable with mm -hmm. Justin Brierley. Um Kevin, maybe you can type that in. Um, but uh, Unbelievable is a podcast and it's a radio show in, in the UK where um, theologians both from different traditions within Christianity as well as some uh, who are, you know, non-Christians, atheists, mm -hmm. people from other religions get on and have a really like positive, mm -hmm. healthy debate. So yeah. yeah, that's absolutely a thing. And there are, and I know that there are unbelievable debates between cessationists, people who don't believe the spiritual gifts persist at all, mm -hmm. and people more from this kind of science and wonder stream. So that would absolutely be worth looking at. Um, yeah, because again, too, is we we would say we believe in healing and God's supernatural yes. activity in the world today. It's just what's the theological underpinnings and how does it function in real life? And someone said, um, this must be so painful for you to see. Honestly, that last clip, if I if I let it go a little bit longer, I could I could get choked up about it because um, I'm there. We're there as as pastors with people, and we're praying in tears for their healing. Um, and sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes something, you know. There's a breakthrough, and sometimes it's a medical breakthrough. Sometimes it's it appears as if God God intervened yeah. in that. And whether it's a, a medical breakthrough or intervention, I I still attribute that to to God, yeah, um, and His goodness. But we've been there in tears, praying with people again and again and again, and they still die, yeah. Um, and it's not because they were wicked or they failed to access the powers of heaven or like God was waiting there for them to muster up enough faith for him to be willing to heal. Yeah. Them. Because I mean, people, we, most people don't see death and when they do, it's just a few people in their lifetime. You don't see someone slowly deteriorate year after year in agony over some of these diseases. It's like, yeah, you are so close. Just a you are so close faith. to mustering it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it does make it, it, I, I, I don't like to watch it. Yeah. 
And there's clips, like I said, that we didn't show. Because there are people who I don't mind saying the names of on the other, on the far end of the spectrum, people like Benny Hinn, who will, you know, claim the anointing and just left and right. He's acting yeah. like he's healing thousands of people in a single night in an auditorium. Um, and it's, it comes from that same place of, no, this is yours to claim. Um, here's, let's watch one more clip that's in that vein um, from another kind of mainstay in this stream of thought named Todd White. Um, yeah, we'll watch about a minute of this. First of all, I command every devil that came up in here. I command you to get out right now. Every voice of torment, I command you get out right now. Every suicidal thought, I cancel you and command you go right now. Every bit of anxiety and fear, depression, I command you leave this house right now. We can stop there. He goes on. Um, there's a couple of things that are interesting about this clip. The first one is what we've just been talking about, the, the language of commanding, that he is not asking God for this. Um, he, and, and again, to be fair, I don't want to straw man him. He would probably say that in a sense he is, that he gets that power because of God. Yeah, he, yes. But the language and the application of it is, I, Todd White, command every evil spirit to leave this place. Um, I paused it before he does this, but he's, you saw him start to slide from demons and evil spirits into depression and anxiety and use the exact same language. He's going to go on to say things like this, an exact quote, any schizophrenia in the room, mm -hmm. I cancel your assignment and tell you to leave. Mm -hmm. um, and this is another kind of side note that there's a, there's a strong movement with that overlaps with these movements that is, you know, if all of these mental health issues and, you know, things like suicidal thoughts, bipolar, schizophrenia are always demonic. Yeah. And so what you have to do is it's not about getting therapy or getting on medication or whatever combination of things. It's always demonic. And again, the nuance is I'm not saying it never is. No, exactly. That's again, there's truth to it. So in scripture, you see things that to a modern lens would appear right. as a mental illness of some sort, but in the scriptures, they're presented as some type of demonic oppression. So as you said, there's a truth to that. Sometimes there is an overlap, and I actually think there's often an overlap, but what will happen is they'll equate sin and physical infirmity, um, a, a mental health issue, and Satan kind of, and just... Uh, Broad brush the whole thing. Yeah, it's all as one you thing. Know, we just we just command it all to leave. Because how do you? I mean, a demon is a is a something with personhood that is being cast out in the authority of Jesus. But how you choose to think. I as a Christian have the ability to cast out your suicidal thought. Right. Um, as if that thought you're you're a free agent, and I somehow authority have authority over your. Yeah freedom to exercise that thought yeah and he goes on in that clip too and we'll see this again later in the last clip we look at he goes on to cast by name the like satan out of the room and if you were paying attention to our last series on jude mm -hmm. 
you know this is what this is something that is explicitly warned against in the New Testament. Yeah. So Jude in um, verses eight and nine, he's talking about false teachers, dangerous false teachers, and he says, "In like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, blaspheme the glorious ones," which is complex. Mm-hmm. But after this, very clear. When the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Mm -hmm. So this is mysterious stuff that we don't have time to fully unpack here. But the idea here is Michael, the archangel, incredibly powerful spiritual being in in our tradition, says he won't even say to the devil, you get out of here. He says, the Lord rebuke you. Mm -hmm. And it's in the specific context of a warning against false teachers who are playing fast and loose with spiritual powers that they don't understand. Now, what's interesting, as I've heard people in the the word of faith movement use this as a rebuttal, they'll say, and this is is what's so awesome. It's that Mm. what Michael could not do, you as a Christian washed in the blood of Jesus with his authority before you, you now have the authority of Jesus right. in a way that Michael did not have. Yeah. Now, in one sense, that sounds like a convincing argument because you great. go, Jesus didn't die for angels. He died for me, and I've been washing his blood and been born again. I have, I, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Angels aren't. Yeah. And so at first it sounds, but here's the thing. You have to ne- ask yourself the next question. This is why it's so deceiving and so tricky because it sounds good, but it's like, no, wait a second. Jude is using that as an example to tell Christians what not to yeah, do. Stay away from teachers who do this. So he's not saying his immediate, he doesn't bring up Michael the archangel, but guess what? You have more power than right. Michael. He says, there's people who do these things, watch out for them. Yeah, because not even Michael does it, but there are people who yeah, do exactly. it. And so, they're the ones to run from. Um, in all of these, there's, there's truth to it. And yeah, um, the question about, um, in scripture, sometimes sin is connected to, it's the, it's the same principle, what right. we just talked about. Sometimes it's demonic. Sometimes there's sin, but you can't use that to, to all of a sudden, every example of sickness is related to sin. And every example of mental health is because right. there's demonic possession. And again, you have examples like Paul who says, I'm afflicted by some kind of physical affliction, mm-hmm. not because of my sin, but because, but because I'm learning the lesson that God's grace is sufficient. And his power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. And even when asking in faith, it's not removed. Yeah. So one, I mean, one, one easy lesson is like scripture has categories for all these things. Just don't take something that occurs in one instance and universalize it to say this is 100% the paradigm for all occurrences. Yeah. yeah and this, and this kind of, this is a red flag in my opinion. Um, we talked about some red flags last week, but it's, it's a red flag when people are using language of commanding, declaring, claiming on their own authority to do things. Yeah. It doesn't lead to good stuff. I don't even close a prayer without saying in Jesus' name. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're you are you are granted access. I approach to the, the Father in Jesus' name. Exactly. And so you don't you know to have the audacity to you know command Satan to do things in the name of Jesus um, on your own authority is is terrifying to me. And and again it leads to really weird places. We we wouldn't even dream of showing clips of this, but um Bethel last year or the year before had seven or eight straight days of trying to resurrect a little girl who had passed away. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, it's one of those things we can't even, we're both dads with talking with little girls. We can't, you can't even talk about it, but and I get it. I 100% wouldn't you want that? I, so it's, it's yeah. But the scary thing is the language that was used in those services, they asked God and they prayed and stuff too. But a lot of what you saw was them. They were commanding her to come out of the grave. Mm -hmm. So it's not just asking God for a resurrection, which would already be, you know, in getting into some weird water theologically, mm -hmm. they were speaking to the girl who had passed away and commanding her to come back. Um, and so it just, again, it just leads to some, some scary and, and dangerous places. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe because we're actually, believe it or not, we're almost out of time. Um, we could jump to what is to me. I mean, I wanted to show a clip of, uh, of Todd Bentley talking about imparting the spirit by kicking a woman in the face, which is a famous clip, but we don't have time. Um, now I want to, yeah. And, and, um, Ellen Waddell is talking about how she's known Christians with physical issues and has watched God use their condition for his glory. And I think that's absolutely true that there's an expectation that all things, this is, this is the, all things work together for good according to the purposes of God. Um, so, okay, we're going to show a clip, um, that went viral. And again, the goal is not to make fun of this, but this clip of Kenneth Copeland is kind of the distillation in many ways of a num of so many of the problems. Yeah, remember the in. scale from one to 10. This is 10. 10 this out of 10. Is, this is 10. All right, here we go. Execute judgment on you, mm. Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand Amen. judgment on you. I demand. Oh. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. I call you done. I call you done gone. You come down from your Amen. place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your oh. belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more. No more. No more. It. No more. Is finished. Finished. It is over. And the United States of America is healed and well. Thank you. Again. Praise. Saith the mighty. Hallelujah. Spirit. Glory. Glory, peace. So it's like the number of problems with that. It's, it, you almost get the like, where do you start feeling? Mm -hmm. um, and this was made fun of. And there's another video that we won't show that um, where he, he blew out COVID, like he, him and all of his guys, like yeah. they all blew towards the camera and it was the winds blowing COVID away. And these things were made fun of in popular culture. Yeah. People like auto-tuned them and made songs out of them and all that stuff. Um, and again, that's not it. I, I not only don't want to make fun of that, it, I get, it chills me to watch that. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. And there are, there's so many things about it, um, but you can see this exaggerated version of the big, the kind of big picture problem with all of this, which is that video was in March of 2020. Mm -hmm. So in March of 2020, he said, 
COVID is done. It is finished. Mm -hmm. Thus saith the spirit of peace. If this was ancient Israel, he would have been stoned when the next person died of COVID. Yeah, um, that was that was how many months ago then? Seven months ago. So it is finished. It's destroyed. America, you're healed. Right. And, and by the, the way, he asked for a vaccine. Right. Which in the same, <laughs> how, how do you in the same, you're so you're you're demanding that COVID go away with all that confidence, and then also, but we're also going to demand a vaccine immediately. Why would you need it if COVID's going to go away? Kevin's got something going on over there. <laughs> I won't make you defend yourself on camera. Um, yeah, the the so the layers there. There's there's the the taking of authority at a a level that borders on the blasphemous. When you say it is finished, yeah, um, that's that's bordering on blasphemy in my mind. Like you are co-opting the words of Jesus in the atonement yeah. and making them about your prophecy against COVID. Yeah. yeah. And notice none of that's in Jesus name. He actually starts the clip. We didn't show this part, but he starts it by saying, I declare standing in the office of prophet and then yeah. goes on to say all this stuff. So it's the, the height of taking authority yourself, the height of this kind of like hyperbolic. I am so confident that I'm getting rid of COVID-19 right now saying it is finished, saying at the end of your prophecy, thus saith the spirit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like it's, and again, the main and point. And what's the, the saddest, I mean, he does that same thing like two months later yep. and he's done it like, I think a few times yeah. and COVID's still around. Um, America's is not healed um, and people will still give their last, hundred dollars in their bank account right to this person because the reason why you haven't received your healing well you're praying with faith have you sowed a seed of faith right you haven't you haven't demonstrated your faith by sending in a love gift some tithes right. some offerings yes yeah, um, so that sowing a seed language is incredibly common many of you have heard it if you've watched televangelists and we've seen we've seen this big time overseas it's gigantic in in certain parts of africa where yeah every church has a healing service or a you know you i have a, a picture of a sign that said um you know come to this service and single women are guaranteed to be married within six months yeah and i asked casimir our partner in, in nigeria i was like what happens six months later with all the women who didn't get married and he goes oh well, they just they'll tell them they didn't sow a big enough seed yeah. and that's exactly what you said that well if you had given a big enough offer it's your fault um and yeah, so and the, the the light version of it, and again, this is why it's so important because the stuff on the extreme, you may be thinking, "Oh, I'd never fall for that." Right. But the way it creeps in is like, well, yeah, you know, if you always give faithfully and tithe to your church, you're, you know, God's not going to let you have financial problems. Yeah, you, you're given faithfully, and does God bless people who give faithfully? Sometimes, yes, but there are people who gave faithfully who died as martyrs. Right. There's people in prison right now, rotting away because of their faith in Jesus and they faithfully gave. Yeah. Um, so what happens is it sneaks into the popular level and I'm telling you that low level prosperity gospel, name it and claim it stuff sneaks into a lot of well-meaning good pastors. They just, they're not paying enough attention to the, th the theological engine underneath what they're right. saying. Yeah. And, and you, you just have to see the posture of the Christian all through the new Testament is one of humility before the will of God 
before the yeah, power exactly. of Jesus, that God can do and will do whatever he wants. Thank God one of the things he willed to do was save me from my sin. And yes. you start there and you know, you hope for and ask for other things, but the expectation, the thing that's promised you, like we talked about earlier, is that in the future, when all is made well, mm-hmm. all will be well with you then. You will yeah. you will have prosperity, you will have healing, you will have, you know, the end no of tears, all of the No tears, no crying, no suffering, all of that. But in the meantime, it's it's so explicit. In this world, you will have trouble, period. Yeah, and that future blessing is motivation for present suffering. Right. And if you remove the future blessing, it can make present suffering Im- unbearable. Yeah. Because it just means my suffering is not alleviated because of me. I'm the loser. I'm the failure. Yeah. And to me, and maybe we can close with this, there's a ton of Bible verses we could show. I mean, Paul... There's a part in Second Corinthians when Paul does like a backwards resume where he says, here's, yeah. here's why I'm qualified as an apostle and talks about all the horrible things that have happened to him, including, yep. by the way, sickness um, and, and horrible things like shipwrecks. Didn't and stuff. have enough faith. There's a low faith time in Paul's life. And it's just funny. He wasn't sowing enough seeds. He of hadn't faith. sowed enough seeds. And that's a guy who, you know, of course, is he's the guy who is explicitly saying this is the evidence of the legitimacy of my mm. apostolic calling is yeah. how much I've suffered. Exactly. Um, and so, but, but the, the verse that always comes to mind when you talk about faith and, and that if you have enough faith, you'll be healed and get the thing you want is that whole section laid in the book of Hebrews that talks, we call it the hall of faith yeah. often where the author of Hebrews lists all these famous old Testament characters who had faith. And he says, I actually wrote it down. Um, he says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Mm but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. And he goes on later to talk about, yeah, same chapter. He goes on to say, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And the whole point is they trusted in the promise of God and faith in this, you know, being held up as a positive example, yeah. isn't that God will take care of this now. It's that there is something far off that I'm trusting in and I can endure the suffering in the meantime. Yes. And so, again, it's not, you know, we have to just have discerning eyes that God may heal. He can heal and he does heal. And you can pray for that and hope for that. And, and, and at the end of the day, you trust God to do what is right in that yeah. situation. Not on the basis of your faith but on the basis of his wisdom because mm-hmm. he's the one who's going to determine whether you should or shouldn't be healed in the situation. So yeah, we've, again, we've gone borderline over time here. Anything else you want to say on that before we, we close? No. You want one of Kevin's uh, snacks? No, no more of those snacks. <laughs> hey, thanks so much again for being here guys. We'll see. Oh, wow. Kevin. Kevin gonna, leveled up. You're going to need that for your jokes. <laughs> hey, have a great week. We'll see you guys next Thursday. <laughs>